Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Chicago Justice Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I am your host, Tracy Siska. I'm also the executive director of the Chicago Justice Project. You can find out more about what we do in our transparency and accountability work, both in Chicago and we're spreading around the country at chicagojustice.org. I highly encourage you to check that out tomorrow morning as we release a new report. And let's just say I don't think the uh, president of the Fraternal Order of Police is going to be very happy. Come 9 a.m. Chicago time, you can get that report on our website. And if you follow us on Instagram tomorrow at 1 p.m., I'm sorry, 12 p.m. Central, myself and Lauren Cole, the author of this latest report on our site, will be doing an Instagram live to take your questions and comments about the report. And then we're hoping to have an interview with Lauren on our show on Wednesday, going a little more in depth about the numbers and visualizations and about our FOP president, John Catanzara. It's going to be, um, I think it's going to be a very eye-opening report for you all. Okay. Before we get to our main segment tonight, which is the Tribune uh, alt-right editorial to show you just how little they care about communities. This was the editorial to tell you. You know, you worry about positions closing at the trip, you don't want that, but then you see some of the people that laid off and you're like, well, I ain't really gonna miss some of those people. Kristen McQuarrie, first of all, she left. It was like, oh my God, about time. Uh, John Cass left, but the craziness, the insaneness, the alt-rightness of the paper editorial board has not changed. We're also going to be talking about a USA Today Ipsos poll on crime issues and policing, financial package agreement supposedly by in the police union negotiations, or so says John Contanzara, but I bet you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. I'm going to give you about 50 reasons why you should not trust anything he says. And then we're going to talk a bunch of other stuff about gun possessors, um, about solutions um, being pushed to on the the reason, uh, so the responsibility for finding solutions being pushed upon the least empowered. And then we're going to try to get to uh, Ben Javorski's Mayor Bully article and a stop and frisk letter to the editor at the Sun-Times. If we have enough time, we'll get to those today. But as I started to say earlier, if you like this show and want to see it expand to streaming the police board, city council meetings, and Cook County Board meetings, and hey, what else? Illinois General Assembly. We can do all of those. We just need help. We just need help with getting the resources to cover our expenses in doing this. Go to chicagojustice.org to donate, become a sponsor, or hit us up at info at chicagojustice.org, and we will customize a plan for you. Okay. Our first, our main segment tonight is an editorial from the Chicago Tribune, which reads, Chicago's taboo topic to divert youths from crime, support struggling parents. Now, don't read that title and think, hey, has the Tribune finally got it after decades of just horrible political views that have helped um, rain terror and under service, under provide services to these communities. 
That answer, ladies and gentlemen, is no. And let's go through why it is. It is a really horrible, horrible editorial. So here's the first part. Rather than demand more of parents and other family figures, today's leaders offer antiseptic debates about bureaucratic policies. Can President Biden's new strike force keep illegal guns out of immature hands? Are Illinois lawmakers wise to all but eliminate cash bail for people accused of felonies? Will federal court consent decree build trust between police and Chicagoans? If you, and I'll continue before I comment on it. If you follow Tribune editorials, and by the way, no one should, and please do not go click on this. The fewest people reading this, the better. I've, I've read it for all of you, don't, so all of you don't have to. If you follow Tribune editorials, you know we're relentless participants in these policy debates. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're lapdogs to the people in power, and the more white, and the more male, and the more conservative they are, no matter how much they hate communities and how corrupt they are, you love them. But anyways, participants in these policy debates, in, in the... In a metropolis savaged by murder and mayhem, we know government policy can influence crime trends. Really? It can? No shit. Is that why you called and backed every corrupt, bum, horrific mayor we've ever had? If Rahm Emanuel would have been kept in the race for mayor, if he would have stayed in in 2020, you would have backed him. 2019, sorry. You would have backed him. Like I said, Kristen McQuarrie out. Same alt-right editorial board. Nothing's changed. Now, you'll notice a theme as we move on. Starved communities and blame them for obvious repercussions of being starved. I continue. Yet discussing arguably the most important influence is taboo. When foundation leaders, public officials, and religious clergy lament crime, why do they rarely talk about the state of Chicago's families? About the chaotic environs, I don't know, is that a word? It must be. It must be environments. I don't know why. Is that like chic or something? I've never, okay. Environs in which many young people live. About giving parents support and guidance that could help them institute safe lifestyles, self-discipline, and future ambitions for their children. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The alt-right doesn't want to admit it's not, it doesn't want to talk about it. the poverty, the intergenerational transmission of poverty that has been going on in Chicago for 60 or 70 or 80 years. It has nothing to do with it. Rampant segregation, rampant political corruption that they have backed time and time and time again. Wait a minute. The city under Mayor Daley spent... Half a billion dollars in the South Loop. Did it raise the people up? No, it moved them to poorer communities. Because the Tribune and Rahm and Daily don't, and to some degree it looks like this new administration, doesn't care about the poor. They're there to move and to starve. That's what they're there for. Here we go. We're in an age when too many young Chicagoans learn too little about boundaries. They most... the. Those most unmoored and self-disciplined know that gunplay today needn't mean consequences tomorrow. That's right. They know that. Because there's, there's no consequences when you get in a shootout. God, they're stupid. Rising crime rates and low incarceration rates bestow a frightful logic. I can act with impunity and I'll get away with it. The result? Excuse me. Petty disputes that turn fatal. 
Armed carjackings by teenagers, expressway shootings, gang vengeance, bullets spray at whole gangs, on whole groups. Nothing they said there is new. It's not new. Right? It's been going on in Chicago for 60 years. So, question I have for you, and if you can respond in the chat if you want in any of the places you're watching this, is the Tribune editorial racist? Is this more classist than racist? Or is it just an intersection of both? Because this is hate-filled, ignorant cluelessness. The Loop, Michigan Avenue, the South Loop, the West Loop, Fulton Market are as beautiful as they are with all their potted plants that get changed all the time by the city because the city puts hundreds of millions of dollars of TIF money into those areas every year. How would the communities be if that TIF money went to communities instead of to the Loop? I bet you no one in this damn editorial board lives in Chicago and probably hasn't lived in Chicago for decades. Giving young people coping skills, anger management, and hopes for, a futures, for their futures demands more than public policy. It demands focus on how young people are raised citywide. It demands flouting that taboo that says even talking about inadequate families stigmatizes parents. You know what's inadequate, racist bastards that you are. And you are racist bastards. You know what's inadequate? Jobs, a living wage, health care. And it's been that way for decades. It's only gotten worse, and all you've endorsed is it getting worse. You're part of the problem. You're part of the problem. I continue. Here you can, you can monitor lawmakers in Springfield and Chicago news conferences about crime, about incarceration policy, about inequity, without hearing anyone advocate for building stronger families. Timid leaders view that, view that candor as intrusive scapegoating. As, as if their silence demonstrates deference while each year parents by the hundreds bury their children. You know what builds families? A minimum wage and jobs. That's what builds families. The difference between the north white side and the south and west sides black and brown is jobs and money. That's the difference. What you're alleging is they're just worse parents. What's code here is that they're just black and brown and you don't give a shit. And it's all their fault. You want to find a real solution to the problem that's been um, in these communities for 60 years? It's all the parenting. It's their fault. It's the parenting. If only we need to support them. Okay? <laughs> all of us owe Chicago parents more support. Hold on. It's coming. No, we don't mean those with the most resources lecturing those with the least on how to raise children. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Watch, they're going to do it right now. The emphasis should be on constructive nudges. What the frick is that? And respectful interventions to help parents do the job. Respectful intervention and constructive nudges. Can someone tell me how that's different? Then the most with the people with the most resources lecturing those with the least resources about how to raise their children. It's constructive and modest or respectful. I continue. Models exist. We've written about some and they surely 
Many smart organizations can prescribe strategies that work. Example, the Becoming a Man effort gives Chicago at-risk youths and their parents life skills that lead to safely that lead safely to adulthood. A civic commitment to strengthen more families could divert youths from lethal intersection of impulsivity and anger, gangs, and self-destruction. You know what could do it better? Not for 50 or 20 or 100, you bastards, is jobs and living wage. The TIFs that you back all the year, year after year after year after year collected in 2019 $928 million. You're fine with them stealing that from taxpayers, and you're fine because they spend it on white side of Chicago. That's fine. Just keep stealing and keep spending on white Chicago. Let the black and brown people starve. It's all their fault. It's their problem. They're bad parents. They don't have impulse control. It's all their fault. There's nothing structural about nothing. Don't look at us white people. You would have sworn if you read this, this was written in the 1950s. I continue with this God forsaking me stupid, ignorant, racist piece. The polls and civic leaders instead can raise their voices to say no young person should be stumbling toward a futile life or an early death. Make it Chicago's mission help every parent provide structure, love, and accountability. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, it's not that there haven't been jobs in these communities for decades. That, nope, don't make a difference. It's not that there's TIF money that is getting taken out of the city council's, the city's general fund, and spent on whatever the corrupt mayor at the time thinks it should be, which is the north side, the south loop, the west loop, and Fulton Market. And then whatever area in the city they want to get black and brown people out of. It's all their fault. Speaking of accountability, what if each of us who laments violent crime, politicians, foundation officials, clergy members, and activists routinely, routinely ask three questions? My first question is, why the hell are you still employed? And who reads this goddamn paper? They're writing for the suburbs. It's white, racist, suburbanites who read this paper. What have I done this week to strengthen even one Chicago family, to help even one parent establish guardrails, protect even one child from disorder and death? Personal, now this is all about personal responsibility, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing about how these communities are starved. Nothing. The, the Tribune editorials will be called no change agents. They're the agents to make sure shit doesn't change. Are we really better off that the Tribune survived? Are we really hurt by the fact that the, most of those the reporters and editors that left the Trib? Are we hurt by that? It would be better if those positions were filled by better people and they still existed. But if we we're just going to keep the same shitty people with the same shitty editorial board, fire them all. Close it. If this is the shit we're going to get, we don't need the paper. Horrific, racist, but it's classic Tribune. That's how they've been for 50 years. They're not going to change. Alt-right, white supremacist? Oh, my God. It's the epitome of it. They just speak in code. They just speak in code. On to our next segment. This is a USA Today. It's an article in USA Today about a USA Today Ipsos poll. And it reads... 
In poll, only one in five say police treat people equally, even as worries about crime surge. Holy shit. 80% of the people polled said police are racist. Didn't hear anything about that in the Tribune editorial board, did we? In the editorial, did we? No, we did not. So let's go over some of the statistics in this, in this poll. 7 in 10 supported increasing police department budgets. That's a whip-danger. Yep, because they've been taught by the alt-right papers, like the Tribune, and honestly, this sometimes really isn't that much better, that more police are what saves me. The science can tell you, the Police Executive Research Forum, International Association of Police and Chiefs, plenty of criminologists can tell you, it's not how many police you have, it's what you do with them. But you're never going to get one of those bastards to ever say they need less cops. Never, ever, 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 never. Okay. 77% said they would like additional police officers deployed on street patrols. Okay. Here's the thing with that. It doesn't, we have no idea how much good it does. Random driving, random patrol, they don't have any clue if it helps or it doesn't. Really, the science just can't tell. And the thought is it doesn't vary. It doesn't help. 81% endorsed a mandate that police-involved shootings be investigated by separate and independent authority. Wonderful. That is being done in Chicago by the Citizen Office of Police Accountability. Then was done by the Independent Police Review Authority. And then before that, it was done by the Office of Professional Standards. And I think during Ipres and Copra's time, they literally found one out of all the shootings. They found one out of guideline. (laughs) What good is it if you're going to find one out of 400? as brutal as the Chicago Police Department has been. Now, are all of them? No, by no means. Half? I don't know what the number should be. 20%, 10%, 20 40 I don't know, 60 I really don't know. You know what I know it isn't? A quarter of 1%. That number, I can tell you for sure, is wrong. 22% said the police treat all Americans equally. Hmm. It's an interesting stat, huh? 17% said the state said the criminal justice courts and lawyers treat everyone equally. 17%. Now, ladies and gentlemen, not unsurprisingly because of the George Floyd and everything that's been going on, that number was 32% just seven years ago. So it's literally almost cut in half. Even 32% wasn't very good, right? But down to 17, that is an amazing drop. 54% of whites said the police don't treat all Americans equally interesting, right? 63% said the criminal justice system doesn't treat everyone equally. Okay, that's good. That's Those are good numbers. Probably should be more, but we'll take them. The majorities were bigger among black, black Americans at 77% and 72% for both of those. Um, not surprising, but those are some interesting numbers in the poll. I don't know why because the media is horrible, and I'm not saying that there's like there's just some massive right wing or left wing bias that that BS, but they don't do a good job of covering science and delivering the data and the research and telling describing to people how that you know what those results really are. There is no data. That support that increasing budgets is going to help. There is no data that says increasing the number of officers is going to help. 
it would be great if it did. It's simple. Crime is much more and much more and much more complicated than that. It's just the reality. It's just not... It'd be nice. I know Alderman Lopez, I think we have that... Um, no, that was last show. Alderman Lopez, right, it was in last show. On Friday, Alderman Lopez, that letter he sent to Lightfoot with all the things he did, like calling them urban terrorists. That helped us reduce crime in our ward. <laughs> so delusional. Okay, we're going to go on to our third segment. Now, this is a um, update from John Cotanzara. He probably won't look as happy as he does in this video tomorrow morning. Um, but <laughs> this is a two minute and 33 second video. It's their regular Friday or his regular Friday updates that they post to YouTube. I want to come back and explain the propaganda behind. Well, it's either propaganda behind this video or it is Lightfoot has totally failed um, in her negotiations with the FOP for contract. The FOP has been negotiating forever. They were negotiating with Ron. There's now negotiating with Lori. And Lori has steadfast that if you don't give me accountability reforms, you're not getting pay raises. And we're not going to do the financial package. I'm not going to do it independent. I'm not going to just negotiate the financial package and not negotiate the accountability. According to Cotton Zara, at least in his propaganda here, it seems like they have. Um, so let's go to this video and then um, I'll be back with you in two minutes to a comment on it. All right. Friday update, July 9th. The one... Most of you, if not all of you, have been waiting for for quite a long time. I'm happy to announce that yesterday the FOP and the city's negotiating team did come to an understanding on a financial package. Um, what does that mean? Well, I cannot go into explicit detail on the actual terms yet. Uh, the process is the process and I'm going to respect it uh, as long as necessary here. But the reason nothing was announced yesterday was because the mayor is in California and the city's team has the obligation to inform the mayor. I was told that she was briefly briefed uh, on just the understanding that there was an agreement reached, but that the formal briefing will occur when she returns to Chicago this weekend so she can understand the details of exactly what was agreed upon in understanding. Uh, this is an eight-year agreement. I can tell you that much. Beyond that, I'm going to have to hold my tongue for now. Uh, once the mayor gives her formal thumbs up and the process can move forward, uh, it'll be incumbent upon her to start making sure that the support is there in the city council. And uh, we will put it out for a ratification vote to the membership here before it even goes to the city council. So sometime next week, if the process moves along like it should, uh, I'll explain more of the terms of what you're looking at. It will be in detail in the mailer that will go out, and we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, there was a lot of hard work here. I know a lot of people thought that this was impossible, but all I can tell you is we absolutely came to a fair agreement here. This is not giving away the house in any way, shape, or form. Um, the last... Uh, option we wanted to go to arbitration with the financial package and roll the dice there. The goal was always to come to a, an agreement. I hope we're here. Again, there's still a couple more steps to get there, but there's reason to be optimistic that the light at the end of the tunnel is near and we'll see where this ends up. 
I'm going to keep this one very brief. Like and subscribe, and you'll get the updates as they come along. There might be one early mid-wet next week. We shall see with more details. Um, with that being said, have a good weekend. Stay safe. God bless. Okay, so what's going on here? Well, pretty closely after this got picked up and got into the papers hours later in the day on Friday, it became... Um, we got a ref pushback from the mayor who basically said, not so fast. I don't know what you're talking about. Now, I'm convinced that she knows without a shadow of a doubt just how ju the terms. Like, she has been completely up, up briefed. But she wanted to be able to spin it. She was out of town supposedly wooing um, people in San Francisco tech companies. Anyways, so I think she wanted to be able to spin it and not leave the whole, leave a vacuum um, with her not here and have Cotton Zara take all the credit for this. Now, the biggest problem we have to discuss is, did Lightfoot decouple the economic negotiations from the accountability negotiations? Because typically what you do is you negotiate accountability and other things, but accountability, and then to give certain get certain things on accountability, you give later on the financial package. It does. He didn't say anything about accountability whatsoever, so he's either lying about it, certainly possible, or they've been decoupled, and that may go to arbitration. Regardless, as I've tried to tell activists for years, the contract is not the way to get accountability in Chicago. We're not going to do it. They're not going to go far enough. And even if it goes to arbitration, it's only going to go one step in either direction to get better or worse. This is no uh, panacea. Um, this contract negotiation is bad, bad, bad. And we need more state law. But we can talk about probably later this week about how they're walking back. The state is walking back some of the things they've passed already. Um, this is most likely really bad news. Um, at least that's what I'm thinking it is. We will see. I'm not opposed to the eight-year contract, and I'm not opposed to them getting raises, although, to be honest with you, they get paid really well for just being a police officer. Um, I mean, with no extra education and not a lot of certifications and stuff. I, I just don't know. Okay, so... We're going to stay with the FOP. We're going to go to our social media fail. Here is the FOP Facebook page. We're going to go right now. It's too small to read. Um, but this is about gun possessors possess it being a significant danger to society. Okay. Let's go through the post. I'll read the post to you. And then I'll talk about it. From the 26th in California Brain Trust, that's Kim Fox. I think they're mostly referring to Fox and Evans. The public must remember that bail form instituted by the Circuit Court of Cook County in 17 is based on, these are quotes, is based on constitutional principle that people should not be punished by imprisonment before they are tried, unless they pose a significant danger to the community, the statement said. Unquote. It also included a comment from Evans, this, that's Cotton Zaro, the FOP's 
Now it goes back to quotes. Looking at individual tragic, tragic cases in isolation may contribute to the speculation that releasing individuals before trial rather than incarcerating them, whether by placing them on electronic monitoring, EM, or other forms of supervision, means an increase in crime. Evans said in a statement, quote again, but speculation based on isolation cases is not the same as reality based on a complete picture. And, and research has shown that bail reform has not led to increases in crime. This is a continue of the post, but we're done with the quotes from Evans. This is the FOP, which I'm most assuming is Cotton Zara, but who knows? Almost all illegal gun possession offenders present a significant danger to the community. He needs to retire ASAP. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's a little context that, by the way, Fox had in her presentation that stirred all of this up in the last week or two, that webinar, that Lightfoot, that Brown, that Cotton Zara, and the FOP have totally skipped over. For some reason... When, let me back up and say this, when there's a crime committed and the police department makes an arrest or a bunch of other phony, mostly phony categories, they can register a clearance, which means they cleared the case. We know who did it. We arrested them or we can't get them, but we know who did it, but they're in jail somewhere else or they've left the country, but we know who did it. It's called cleared. And there's a clearance rate, and it ebbs and flows. And the national rate is always much better than urban places because typically because small jurisdictions um, greatly outrank the large ones, obviously. And when they get one or two murders and they're solved, they get a 100% clearance rate, even though they've solved one or two. And so those rates don't count, really, in my book. But it's always been a highly manipulated number. And if you look at Chicago's, it has shot up over the last few years which is telling you it is 100% manipulated. They, at one point, they were clearing like 10 or 15%. Now they're at like 50 or 60. There's no goddamn way that's true. No way. Post-George Floyd protest, clearance rates go up? No way. Post-Laquan McDonald videotape murder and all the protests and all the unrest, clearance rates go up because people trust you more and are cooperating more? No goddamn way. But anyways... What clearance is, so 2013, Fox brought this up. And since 2013, gun possession arrests annually have doubled. This year, it was like 300 a year back then. This year, I think, or last year, I think last year was on 1,400. This year was on the way to being more. Now, what the FOP wants and the police department wants and Lightfoot wants and Brown wants is all those people arrested for illegal gun possession, they have to stay in jail waiting for trial. And it sounds good. You could see the, the, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Yeah, they should stay in jail. Now, here's the problem with everything that's going on. The clearance rates for people that use gun and shoot, those cases have plummeted since 13. While the increase in number of people arrested for gun possession skyrocketed, the CPD has actually arrested less people for actually committing a shooting. Let that sink in and look at the tribune editorial board and all these others alderman lopez um paul vallis bob Fier, former alderman and former lost every office pretty much in the city and county and state fear ready that's what they're calling for put them all in lock them up forever 
don't worry that we're, we're just we're lacking up people who possess guns, but we can't ever find people that are actually using them. Now, of the 1,400 last year, I think that they made arrests for gun possession. I think it was, maybe it was 19, but I think it was last year. About 20% of the guns seized in that were tied back to a crime. Now, if you look at the math, ladies and gentlemen, of 1,400, 20% is around 280, which is eerily similar to the number they used to make of gun possession arrests in 2013. Now, I talked to a source who I trust, but I disagree with on a lot of things at times. And he says, well, people are possessing more guns now. Maybe. I don't know if that's true. But even if they are possessing guns more, why aren't you solving the shootings? Why are you solving shootings at a smaller rate? Shouldn't your target be the shooters and not the possessors? Because if someone shoots and gets away with it, as Tribune tells us, they're just going to keep shooting. I read the Tribune. I listened to my white, you know, white male alt-right conservative leaders. So why are we arresting people, people who haven't yet committed a violent crime and, and letting people who are committing a violent crime get away with it? What sense does that make? Of course, the Tribune, the media... That should be on the front page. Shooters getting away with shooting. That should be the lead of these stories and editorials. Why are we clearing less cases, even though the clearance rate is manipulated, which might be scary if you think about it in Chicago. What if the clearance rate in Chicago is actually still being manipulated or even being manipulated more, and they're still clearing less cases than they used to? Is it being equally manipulated or is it manipulated even more? David Brown is a king manipulator of data. That's his shtick. That's his jam. That's what he does. That's what he did in Dallas his entire time. We got a report coming on him later in this summer. What if they're manipulating it more? And the actual rate at which they're arresting gun uh, shooters is even worse than they're reporting. If they're reporting bad numbers, could you imagine how really bad it must be? But they just keep splashing the fact that they're arresting people with guns that haven't yet committed a crime with them, other than an illegal possession. They have committed a violent, violent crime with them, but they're, oh, that number skyrocketed. Oh, we're getting guns off the Dude, it ain't doing any good. It ain't doing any good. Remember they had that list and they were going to target people at that strategic subject list and they were going to target people who were the shooters or to be shot or to be highly, highly likely to be the shooter or the person being shot. And they were going to target them and go after them with services and all this. What happened to that? We're just willy-nilly going after guns. And what you get out of that, and I'm sure that's a spike, is you're getting, if you make that the main source, first of all, you get it, you trade current. You get guns and their currency for corruption in the department. And second of all, you get all kinds of illegal searches looking for the guns if that's the only goal they're doing. If the only goal is to get a gun, they're going to search people illegally left, right, and center to get the gun because they get the little star. And Brown and the brain trust at 35th Street don't care because they want the number they can report to the media and the mayor and everyone's happy. We have a superintendent and a mayor that are fighting a most ridiculously stupid battle instead of fighting what's actually going on in the streets. 
it is just um it's it's more trumpian show for the media than it is actually uh, a cohesive plan to actually do something about violence in chicago i don't know why you would go after the guns and not the shooters I just don't know. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in one minute with information about our nation program. That's where the research that we published on Public Safety Committee about a month back and the research we are publishing tomorrow on the FOP President John Cotton Zara gets done. It's through our nation program uh, where our volunteers and interns come together and work on crowdsourced research projects. So you, if you want to get involved, cjpnation.org. You can find about our active research projects. You can find contact information to groups leads. For group leads, you can find information about um, contacting Sydney, who runs our nation program. Okay, I'll be back in one minute. Join a group of engaged and committed individuals advocating for transparency and accountability in the local justice system around the country. Get engaged through crowdsourced research projects, digital activism, public policy advocacy, or become a social media ambassador. Our criminal justice system will not reform itself. Communities must demand it. Transparency can be the fuel for justice our local communities need to combat the weaponizing of data by our justice system. Transformation of our justice system cannot occur until we know exactly what they are doing and who they are doing it to. Get involved today, CJP Nation. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Now, I just got off a segment talking about illegal gun possession. Remember, when Cotton Zara and Lightfoot and Brown and Vallis and uh, Raymond Lo Alderman Lopez and Alderman Napolitano and Alderman Spazzato, and former Alderman, former state senator candidate, Cook County board candidate, and mayoral candidate times two. I'm not sure if he lost any other offices for you already. Talks about the UUW. If you got caught with a gun, it's illegal gun possession. You are a you, They should be treated as a violent offender. They haven't committed a violent crime, but there's the potential, and because we can see the future. You are a violent criminal and should be locked up pre-trial and for a long mandatory sentence. How bad does that sound? Oh, I know it's awful, isn't it? I mean, it's just ridiculous. But this is what they believe. And they believe it because they have some, like, ability to, like, determine what these people are going to do with the guns. Like, everyone who possesses it is a second away from shooting. And because we have that foresight, they should all be locked up. This is what these people think. And the alt-right media or alt-right political operations disguising themselves as media, Crime and Wrigleyville blog, Chicago City Wire, the Chicago Contrarian, I mean, alt-right, alt, alt, alt-right, Second City Cop blog, which I guess Second City Cop is now writing at the Chicago Contrarian, if you want to go and look at some lunacy. Here it is. Crime in Wrigleyville. Post. Mayor says housekeeper likely prevented a tragedy by reporting two-gun arsenal in Streeterville hotel room. Now, 
this guy was arrested. Some maid gets into his room and he's got a gun on the ledge of his window with four clips fully loaded. He's got an assault. It's like an assault rifle, 308 rifle with a laser sight and a handgun. Mayor Lightfoot goes off about the potential danger because it sounded terrorist is terroristy, terroristy, right? I think it was a downtown hotel, if I'm not mistaken. And she goes off and says, you know, it likely prevented this huge tragedy. And oh my God, blah, 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 blah. Now, to her credit, that's rather consistent with the kind of alt-right-ish gun possession is this horrible, violent crime. That's consistent. There's no differentiating. She is saying everyone caught with a, with a, with a gun illegal is a huge potential terrorist or urban terrorist threat. Whether black or white. Most of the people are black or brown in Chicago that get caught with illegal weapons. But this guy was white, but it makes no difference. This guy also had an assault rifle with a laser sight and four loaded clips and a handgun. Crime in Wrigleyville had quotes on arsenal because they don't like that term, arsenal. Okay, but you'd call it an arsenal if the person was black or brown. Why is it an arsenal if he's white? Also, the gun had no serial number. Hmm, one of the guns. I think the rifle had no serial number. Not necessarily that it hadn't been scratched off, but it, how could it not have a serial number on it if he wasn't scratched off? I don't understand. Did he just rub it every day and, you know, 100 years later they got the serial number off? I don't understand. Really, this guy supposedly forgot the gun when it was in his truck and he got it. He took the bag out. Why it was laying on his window... You would think that you would hide that as best as possible so that no one get, got a hold of it or saw it because it's illegal to possess in Chicago. But this really isn't about that idiot. It's about Kremlin Wrigleyville. It's about Chicago City Wire, the mayor, Brown, Vallis, Fioretti, Lopez, all of them. To her credit, life would probably be the most consistent about having this foresight on what this person was going to do with the weapon. If I have foresight on a black and brown person going to illegally use that gun they possess, then I, I have foresight in a white guy doing it. White guy probably had a gun that most people do not get caught with. But not all of them, but most of them don't get caught with assault rifles with laser sights on them. But CWB all of a sudden, because the guy is white, he wants proof that he, you, you, the maid prevented a tragedy. Wait a minute. You don't need proof when a black or brown person gets caught with a gun. Lock them up. Mandatory minimum. Mandatory. You've got to be pre, held pre-trial. Then mandatory minimum afterwards. Black and brown. You have a gun. That's it. You're gone. Wait a minute. Why can't we think the worst of this guy also? Well, he, he, he legally possessed a gun in Iowa. Well, or wherever the hell he's from. Well, he doesn't legally possess it here. Why would you bring an assault rifle to a city that's illegal to possess and have it up on the window with four full, fully loaded clips plus another handgun loaded? That doesn't seem a little odd to people. It seems odd to me that CWB isn't being consistent. Well, I got to tell you, it really isn't odd to me. I lied. It's not odd. It's exactly what I expected from the alt-right publication. They need proof if it's a white guy. Black and brown, we don't need proof. Lock them up. Urban offender, you're damn right gone. White guy, don't worry about it. 
Oh, you forgot? I'm sure you just forgot. No big deal. Don't worry that you have an assault rifle in a hotel room. I mean, why do we care? That's not suspicious at all. We shouldn't worry. Don't worry about it. The hypocrisy is just so rank at that place. Um, so rank. Okay. Segment six. It's a, I don't really have that many problems with the article necessarily. Community, it's a crime, uh, Black Club Chicago article. Community-based violent solutions work, but they need to be properly funded, Southside groups say, after a violent weekend. Well, they do need to be properly funded. But, once again, don't buy in to the fact that all we need to do for these communities is actually fund these anti-violence programs and all, all will be good. Whatever fully funded is, it's not the long-term solution. So again, with Eddie Bocanegra, oh, Vaughn Bryant from Communities for Par Partnering for Peace, CP4P, Eddie Bryant from uh, Eddie Bocanegra from Ready Chicago, and I don't remember the, guy, the other guy's name, the communications consultant for Chicago Cred that came on the show. They were talking about it. They don't view themselves as a solution, ladies and gentlemen. They don't view themselves as a huge solution. No, 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 no. That isn't what they are. They'll help out. They can make a meaningful impact, but a solution they are not. They're picking up the pieces. They're a Band-Aid because the Tribune and others in city have abandoned and just ravaged these communities and just stripped them of every possible resource. While they could make the north side in the loop and west side, south loop, and I mean, uh, west loop, south loop, and Fulton Market area all beautiful for white people. No amount of funding for these groups is going to do it. It doesn't mean they shouldn't get full funding, they should, but it's still a band aid. Once again, you're trying to push the responsibility for all the inequities in our society and all the inequities of the systems in our society on the least empowered people. You all fix it. You're poor, you're black, you're brown, you're disenfranchised, you're segregated. Solve your own problems. So here's from the article. But their work will remain limited unless public officials seriously invest in these programs, organizers said. If city leaders secured funding for programs that are bringing about viable long-term solutions, then found ways to scale those programs, it would be far more effective than showing, showing face at a scattered community events says Anthony Wright, CEO of Rings, Ring of Hope in Greater Grand Crossing. Sure, it would be better. They're not the solution. No, 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 they're not. They can vastly help these communities if they were fully funded, but they are not a solution. The goal should be to put these organizations out of a job. Why aren't they needed in, nor in most of the north side? Whatever those reasons are, we need to bring that to the south and west sides. And you damn well better believe it's because of money. I continue. The resident's strategy to limit violent crime in South Shore over the holiday weekend included a movie night in Hassan Park, a community patrol on the gas stations at 67th Street and Jeffrey Boulevard, and a caravan roaming the neighborhood to stop potential violence. Awesome. Now, who thinks that's I don't see that happening on the north side or in the south loop, west loop, Fulton Market. I wonder why. 
Now, the Tribune and others are going to tell you it's because the people are black and brown. It has nothing to do with that, the fact that we're you know, totally abandoned these communities. As I said before, the existence of these solutions proves the city's failure. It's not that they're great, not great organizations. Many are. It's not that they're doing, not doing great work. Many are. It's not that they're not, um, they're not being helpful and meaningfully contributed. They certainly are. They're just not a solution. You have to address the structural problems. If Mayor Lightfoot had any interest in doing that, she would get rid of TIF money. She'd get rid, not get rid of the money. She would get rid of the tax increment financing districts and distribute that money to the south and west sides. But nothing's changed. What is it? New boss, same as the old boss? That better damn believe it. It's Chicago. Okay, we are going to do our last segment of the night, ladies and gentlemen. We're finally going to get to this. This has gotten pushed from the last couple of shows, but I'm determined to do it tonight. Okay. Um, Mayor of Bully, it's an article by, or column, I guess, is a better way to put it, from Ben Javorski. Javorski, if I'm pronouncing that right, in the reader. Yeah, title's Mayor Bully. So let's get to the article. Quoting from the article. Remember that promise the days of rubber stamp council would be over? As candidate Lightfoot pledged to listen to different ideas, even tolerate dissent, for the good of Chicago. Hmm. She shut down a lot of committee on police and fire. Me- I mean, public safety meetings over the last year so that there couldn't be a vote on a community commission she didn't want. I quote from the article again. Apparently, the promise got chucked out the mayoral window. Along with the promise of an elected school board, which she was against, the police oversight board, which she's changed dramatically and can't get passed, and a more transparent government, etc. Yes, none of that has come about. There is not much in any of those. Um, there's not much in any of those that have come true. It's all broken promises. It's more or less ROM 2.0. Now, to her, to give her a little bit of a break, she did have COVID year, COVID year and a half. But the first year, her first budget, nothing was different. Going into 20, nothing was different. And there was no signs that there was going to be. I continue from the article. The mayor's council floor showdown with Taylor stems from the case of Anjanette Young, the woman whose west side home was invaded one night in 2019 by a dozen or so police officers waving no-knock warrant as she stepped from the shower. Ben, the rest of the Chicago media, it was not a no-knock warrant. You know not what you are talking about. It was a knock warrant. This is, many people have gotten this wrong. Alderman Beal, in the, one of the meetings around Annette, Annette Young's case in the police and fire committee, one of the few meetings that Lightfoot let happen this year, Beal's like, oh no, we gotta, we've got to get rid of no-knock warrants. We've got to do something. Gotta give it up. You could have. It didn't happen. It was a knock warrant. It was a knock warrant. Media, get it through your head. I continue. The cops made Young stand naked for over half an hour before they acknowledged what they could. They acknowledged what they should have figured out right away. They had invaded the wrong apartment. Okay, I think it was 18 or 19 minutes before they let her go change. They put a blanket on her or tried to reasonably quickly. Listen, it was awful. But Javorsky is just getting stuff wrong, left and right. But when you're, you're a political person, it doesn't, facts, they don't, they don't matter. Right? I want to make sure. 
And then somehow or others, sorry, excuse me. And then somehow or other, the Life of Law Department, led by Celia Meza, has gone back to playing hardball with Miss Young, moving to dismiss the case if she doesn't accept the settlement offer. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's the problem. While the warrant did not follow the regulations of the department, those regulations are created and only meaningful in for internal accountability of the police department. It's not that the warrant, the raid wasn't illegal. It was horrible. And I am a backer of the Anjanette Young ordinance to limit, really rein in their use of warrants, eliminate no knocks unless you can really say a reason you need it. But these types of raids happen all the time. You got to understand the city is trying to knock down this settlement because they're worried about what's coming down the pipeline and other break-ins and other bad warrants. And if the city is going to pay out because it was a bad warrant, huge numbers, even though it was done legally, that is going to open up the city to huge, huge, huge civil judgments. Reporters just have to get around to that reality. That is a reality. And the city's trying to limit that. Now, I'm not saying they should. And also, ladies and gentlemen, which is also missing for Javarsky's column here, is that I'm not sure she has that much of a case, as bad as it plays in the media. The first case got thrown out of court. The first lawsuit got thrown out of court. Now, maybe the video changes that. I don't know. It's awful. She should definitely get a settlement. I'm not arguing against that. I'm just, but like, put some, put the facts where they are. The first case got tossed. If they're even worried about this, I mean, the only way a moving for dismissal bothers Young is if it's got a chance. And if it's got a chance, people would say, what the hell is going on? Why does it have a chance? Is there really no credibility to this in a court? And if it does, then how much are we willing to pay, Miss Young? I think she should get a settlement. I think the city should have done it a long time ago. But facts matter. Context matters. But Ben, do some damn research. Most of the major facts in this are just wrong. 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 It's not much different. I mean, it's not a, it's not a column you wouldn't necessarily see in the, I mean, poorly done. The level of poorly doneness in this from the Tribber Sun-Times. And for that lack of care to um, to the facts, facts matter no matter whether they support your your ideolo- ideology or they go against them. Facts matter, and we need to get them. If we're going to hold the trip, and sometimes to that, we got to hold people at the Reader and all the other publications to the same same level. Ben, get your facts right. It helps provide context. It helps inform the reader. Your facts are not right. They're in this case, they're wrong. Wrong and wrong. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Remember, tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Chicago time, hit our website, chicagojustice.org, for the release of our new report on John Cotanzaro, the FOP president. Also hit us, follow us on Instagram. I think it's Chicago Justice Project. And um, you can see us at noon tomorrow, noon central, for an Instagram live with uh, myself and Lauren Cole, the author, in turn, the University of Chicago is the author of the report. We're going to talk about the report itself, uh, Cotton Zara's history of misconduct throughout his career, and the um, 
some of his social media activity that is going to, uh, should revolt and disgust most people. So you can catch that uh, at noon on Tuesday and on Wednesday at 5.30. We'll feature an interview with Lauren to go in more in depth about the report itself. So we'll see you hopefully all tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. reading our report and then noon on Instagram. All right, thank you everyone. Have a great night. Oh,